the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So, are you ready for a stealth variant? Now, ready or not, here it comes. Uh, According to a story out of Durham, North Carolina, scientists are closely monitoring a new type of the COVID-19 Omicron variant, sometimes referred to as Stealth Omicron. If you're keeping score at home, the actual name for this version of Omicron is BA2. According to an infectious disease expert at Duke named Dr. Cameron Wolf, quote, Omicron, if you really want to get into the virology, is looking like it's pouring down in three separate forms of subfamilies, if you will. They go by the names BA1, BA2, and BA3. Most of what I've seen is BA1. Of course, what most people have seen is BS, but that's another issue. Uh, He didn't say that. I did. Uh, But anyway, he says they've seen a trickle of BA2, or Omicron stealth, appearing amongst the Omicron. It's called stealth because while it does register positive on the PCR COVID-19 tests, scientists can't immediately tell it's the Omicron variant. And according to a study in Denmark, the stealth Omicron is moving between people very, very quickly, and it's on its way to being the dominant variant. Good news is that they believe the current vaccines still should prevent hospitalization and death. This is obviously never going to end. Do you really think that the BA2 stealth Omicron is going to be the last variant? And down in North Carolina, they have more cases than they've ever had. Hospitalizations are way up. This, of course, is despite 46% of the people in the state being vaccinated and boosted. We're coming up on the point where it's going to be two years since this insanity began. And it looks like we're going to be getting a new variant about every other week. Just keep those masks on and keep getting those shots. We'll get that curve flattened. I'm guessing it'll take about 15 days. Just hang with me on that. Meanwhile, uh, we don't know how long it's going to take for the state of Pennsylvania after 88 years to finally get out of the liquor store business. When we come back, we're going to talk to a state rep who wants a constitutional amendment to get that done. The unions, of course, are standing in the way. And in our second half hour, John Lott Jr. to shoot some holes in the mayor's solution for all that gun violence in New York City. Stick around. Pets have the same energy they used to. Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dinovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dinovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dinovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Did I just hear that the high tomorrow is going to be 16 degrees? It's a tough time if you're a smoker and you got to sneak outside to grab a smoke. Um, it might be one of those times when you wish you didn't smoke. Well, if you're one of those people who smoke and don't want to anymore, you need to check out MyNicotineTest.com, founded by Matt Bars, the director of the New York City Fire Department Tobacco Program. Their science-based approach has a quit rate of 70%, and they can help you. And they even offer a money-back guarantee right now. What they do is they measure your nicotine levels to customize your treatment so that you don't feel miserable as you're quitting. And obviously, you don't quit cold turkey. And now, for a limited time, you get your expert tobacco coaching free with your nicotine test purchase. 
and their experts will guide you with tips and secrets to finally make quitting a reality. MyNicotineTest.com works with all tobacco products, including vaping and smokeless. If you have questions, call MyNicotineTest at 1-800-45-SMOKE, 1-800-45-SMOKE. Leave a message if all tobacco counselors are busy and you have nothing to lose but your addiction. And uh, if you're not a smoker, you can order a gift card for someone who is and someone you'd like to see quit. It's MyNicotineTest.com. MyNicotineTest.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're paying too much for your wireless service. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same 5G coverage as one of those big carriers on the exact same network, but saves the average family over $800 a year. And Pure Talk doesn't lock you into an overpriced, unlimited data contract. Why pay for data you don't need? Instead, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone and keep your number. Or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. So what are you waiting for? Start saving today. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code HALFOFF, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code HALFOFF. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania has been in the liquor store business since 1933. That's when Prohibition ended. You'd probably have a hard time finding anybody in the state who thinks the government has been doing a great job with it since 1933. Well, State Rep Natalie Mihalik from Upper St. Clair thinks it's time to privatize it, and she wants a constitutional amendment to make that happen. She joins us now. Natalie, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, John. So why does uh, privatizing liquor stores require a constitutional amendment? Well, it's a shame that 88 years after the end of Prohibition, we are still talking about this in Pennsylvania. Look, at this point, Harrisburg's not been able to get, you know, much done in the wake of modernization. And I think it's time to take the question to the voters. Do you think the appropriate role of government is selling liquor? And I think the answer is going to be no. So what's the process for an amendment and how long is that likely to take? So the process is it would have to pass in two consecutive sessions, and it's the same language that has to pass both chambers. So both the House and Senate would have to pass it. We don't need the governor's signature. Um, After the the passage in both chambers in two consecutive sessions, it can then make its way to the ballot. Okay, and what what is a session? uh, I I mean, I know what a session is, but what what would the time frame be on having having to do it in two sessions? The earliest it could be on the ballot, if we you know don't hit any roadblocks, is May of 2023. Wow. Okay, that's not too far. It's a year and a, less than a year and a half. So, um, so why has the state? I think it outlived its usefulness a long time ago. But but why do you th- think that the state monopoly on liquor sales has outlived its usefulness? Yeah, I mean there are several powerful stakeholders involved. Uh, of course, anytime a change to the liquor code is, is introduced and those lobbies have, you know, wielded some power in the you know, last four or five decades here in Pennsylvania um, and nothing really you know, changes without their say so. And, that, and that's, you know, essentially why I want to take it to the Pennsylvania voters who were not influenced by those same special interest groups. But I think we're long overdue for this change. 
Um, so I'm happy to be the one leading the charge on it. Now, do you have polling that shows that, that uh, and I'm guessing if you do have polling, it would be going back a while, that shows that this would be a popular thing to take it away from the state? Yeah, di- different polls have been taken over the years. I haven't seen anything lower than 50% in favor of privatization. And as time goes on, the number only increases. The latest polls I've seen are, you know, polling in the 60s in favor of privatization. And I think certainly, you know, everything that went down during those early days of COVID when our state stores were shut down and we were the only state in the nation to do something like that, um, I think that really exposed a lot of the flaws with the LCB and, and people were, you know, paying attention to something they otherwise weren't. So, uh, so and where is where is most of the resistance to the privatization, privatization coming from? Uh, the resistance comes from the state store workers union. Um, and this isn't an attempt to you know put 3,000 people out of work. We can open this up to private industry, increase the amount of, of good-paying jobs that are out there with health benefits, um, but at no cost to the taxpayer. So um, this union, I'm, I'm guessing it's been in power for a long time. Yes. I mean, been in, been in position of, of – of, been, been the union for a long time. Um, how does anybody defend uh, the members of a union standing in the way of the will of the people? Uh, you know, and, and that's the big question, John. It, it, it truly is. And this has been going on for decades. Um, you know, it, and their goal is to keep the status quo. I mean, they have a, a vested interest in keeping the status quo and keeping those employees unionized and keeping those union dues coming in. Um, so we're going to meet a lot of resistance it, it, just in that regard alone, um, and it won't be a, an easy thing to overcome. But I don't think that the average Pennsylvania voter, um, you know, has even, even awareness that this is, uh, you know, one of the main reasons why we haven't been able to make very much progress with, with our three-tiered system. Um, and I think they'll show that at the ballot box. And the, 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 obviously, the Democrats are going to be resisting this. They have uh, they they like government control. Um, what's their argument aside from the fact that they get support from the union? Yeah, I mean, and that's you know essentially the and they're not outright saying that the union supports us, so we have to support them. Um, there's of course the argument that there's going to be a loss of revenue for the state. Uh, I think that's a, a misnomer, and I think it's you know really a way to pull the wool over people's eyes and they'll say, Oh, this is going to be an $800 million loss to the general fund. Well, it's, it's your money. If these are taxpayer dollars, you're taking out of the left pocket to put into the right. Um, They're not doing us a favor by contributing this money to the general fund. We would still be collecting taxes from the private sector. So that money can still go be going into the general fund. I don't think revenues from a state agency selling liquor is a valid reason to continue government control of something where it really doesn't belong. Yeah, the, the state rep, uh, Dan Deasy, uh, he's a senior Democrat on the House Liquor Control Committee. That's just a scary thing to, to me anyway, just the fact that that exists. But anyway, um, Dan Deasy, uh, in a story that he did for KDK-TV with KDK-TV, said, the voters should know exactly what they're voting on and how do we fill in the hole in the budget? Yeah. What's your response? Uh, it, and we had a, a hearing just yesterday on the issue. This was to gather information from advocates that are either for or against. And, you know, Representative DZ, um, you know, had made reference to, you know, f- filling that hole in the budget. Um, and, of course, I, I, I would argue that we have the opportunity to actually contribute a larger portion into the budget if we open this up to private sector. We have 600 stores across the Commonwealth. That's about one store for every 10,000 residents. National average is three and a half stores per 10,000 residents. So what you see in other states when they privatize is this explosion in you know, opportunities for the private sector. They're creating jobs, good paying jobs, and they're contributing you know, right back to the state as it should be. Because at the end of the day, you know, the LCB is still going to have to exist in some form for regulation and for enforcement. Mm -hmm. That's an appropriate role uh, for a government agency. Selling liquor is just not. 
Yeah, you. I, I saw that you were quoted as saying you don't believe selling alcohol is a core function of government. Who could possibly believe that in 2020, almost said 2021, 2022? That's right. Yeah, and it's. I think that the Pennsylvania voters last May went to the ballot box um, for, you know, the reason was, is there one person in this Commonwealth who has wielded his power so much so that it has influenced, you know, almost every aspect of your everyday life. And that was, of course, during COVID. Um, So I think this is a little more pointed question to the voters. Do you think the government should be engaged in the sale of alcohol? I mean, this is a very short and sweet question, because once the issue of privatization is decided, then it's up to us as lawmakers to come up with that policy. But we have to force the issue first. Otherwise, no one's coming to the table on this. We're talking to Natalie Mihalik of the 40th District of Pennsylvania. She's a state representative who is uh, uh, proposing a constitutional amendment to get the state out of the liquor business. Um, So what about critics who say that this is going to cause prices to go up and maybe reduce the the choices available? I mean, I I would have those critics visit any other state, uh, either near or far. Any state that I've visited, the the choices are always uh, plentiful and the prices are always lower. So um, if the liquor stores go away, where would people go to buy liquor and and what would determine uh, who gets the, the license to sell this stuff? I'm guessing it still would require some kind of a license. Well, absolutely. I mean, there would still need to be that element of regulation and enforcement. Um, And certainly if the voters decide that that the legislature should move forward with privatization, those are all questions that would fall back to the General Assembly to iron out and create a new system without the state-controlled stores. Well, I mean, people. I don't drink, and I have. I haven't. I can't tell you the last time I bought a bottle of wine or a bottle of booze. But, um, but just for people who are are regular customers of the state store, what would it look like? I mean, how do you how do you imagine what it would look like if the state is out of it? Where where would these stores be? Um, would they be inside the supermarkets? How how do you propose it? Yeah, I mean, we don't want to get rid of those wine expanded permits. That's the um, permitting that allows for you know, the, the giant eagles, the grocery stores, and the convenience stores to sell uh, alcohol. We don't want to get rid of any of that because the whole premise behind this is consumer choice. We want to we want it to be convenient for people. We're not going to see you know a liquor store at every block, as you know some of the unions would have you believe. Um, but it'll be more readily available. There will be stores that sell you know nothing but alcohol. There are several um, you know across the United States, several chains, um, even small, smaller mom-and-pop businesses, um, but they have a wide variety uh, on choices, and we would be bringing that right back to the Pennsylvania consumer. Now, also, right now it's controlled by the state, and uh, I've seen, I can remember going back to when the um, the casino licenses were being Put up for for a bid. Uh, actually, they weren't put up for a bid. They should have been, but they were they were awarded by a commission, and there was uh, quite a bit of uh, corruption and stupidity involved. I remember the uh, like a five year old son of a of a uh, turnpike commissioner was going to be awarded a, a license because state employees weren't allowed to have them. This is a there's a lot of money involved in this uh, business. And once you take it away from the state and put it out there privately, it sounds like a great idea. But what about the potential for corruption there? Yeah. And I mean, we we will have to iron out a very, you know, regulated and, you know, forthright wind down plan um, because it will take some time. This isn't something that, you know, if the voters said they want to privatize, the state stores aren't shutting down the next day. Um, this is going to take a, is probably several years to iron out how we're going to do it, how do we wind that down, what does it look like, is there the potential for uh, the LCP to still be involved on the wholesale side and just not in retail operations. Um, so that once we know that Pennsylvania voters want to privatize, then we have to go back to the drawing board and come up with all of those things and insulated as, you know, insulated from corruption. Again, I said I don't drink, so I'm, I don't pay a lot of attention to where they're selling alcohol these days, but it seems to me that it is easier to buy a six-pack of beer or a case of beer or wine 
because they, I, I think I see them showing up in, in the Giant Eagle and places like that. Is there any evidence that, that any harm has been uh, caused by that little bit of progress that was made and, and, no. and also well, the effect on revenue? So that, that was Act 39 of 2016 that allowed for wide-expanded permit holders to sell in um, you know, grocery stores and convenience stores, and, and that's very tightly regulated. They have to sell prepared foods. They cannot sell gasoline and alcohol um, in the same location. There are all kinds of rules regarding that. Um, there's a, a milliliter limit on the amount that you can purchase. It has to be a separate register, um, all, all of those things. And that did open up a lot of, you know, con- convenience for our consumers. Uh, and we want to take it a, a step further here. We're finishing up here with Natalie Mihalik. She's a state rep from the 40th District in Upper St. Clair. She would like to uh, have a constitutional amendment to uh, take the liquor uh, business away from the state of Pennsylvania. Um, before we go, um, how much of, of a fight do you think you're going to have on this? I'm, I'm going to have a pretty good fight on my hands. I, in my heart, I know this is the right thing to do for Pennsylvania, so I'll, I'll forge ahead. Uh, despite the unions telling me that they're you know, going to spend every last dime against me and against the proposal. And how, are the Republicans with you on this? I, I know most of them wouldn't be, but do yeah, you feel like they, you're going to have it? This comes down to the fundamental question of what is the appropriate role for government to play in our lives. It's as, as simple as that. So I think this is a core Republican issue. Yeah, and it's also a union issue, and that's that's a classic fight between uh, unions and Republicans. Uh, are you looking at that as a, a classic example of it and see that coming up? It is a classic example, um, you know, and we just have to win on policy. I think at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, that, that's how this will be messaged to the Pennsylvania voters who can decide for themselves if this is the path moving forward. So we're, we're ready for the fight because we know we went on policy. And last thing, what's the, what's the next step, uh, Natalie? What, what, will, what will you do next, and when will we see this pop up as an actual full-fledged proposal that's going to be voted on? The next step is actually getting the proposal to uh, get a vote in the Liquor Control Committee on the House side. If that's successful, then it can proceed to the floor um, for a vote by the whole chamber. Well, can the Liquor Control uh, Committee stop it? Uh, they can. I mean, it's a, there's no guarantee that it gets voted out of committee. We, the Republicans are in the majority, um, so That's I presume I that, ask, it, yeah. that it would uh, at this point in time. But um, hey, on these things where there's a lot of money you know, be, being thrown around, you, you never know. Well, I, I hope you're successful. This I, I think your biggest problem is that it, is that it wakes it makes way too much sense. That might be your biggest hurdle <laughs> to, to I, get it I done. I think but. you're probably right on that. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. No problem at all. Nice to talk to you. Okay, and that's Natalie Mihalik of the 40th District of Pennsylvania. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Kremlin reportedly very concerned about Washington's decision to put 8,500 U.S. troops on heightened alert because of fears of Russian aggression over Ukraine. While U.S. troops will not be deployed to Ukraine, the idea that they could be sent to countries that are members of NATO close to Russia, if, in the Pentagon's words, situations develop, is a worry for Russia. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Piskov clarified that it does not affect the diplomatic process. That, he said, depended on the U.S.'s written responses to Russia's demands, which include a guarantee that Ukraine will never be able to join NATO and that NATO troops would be removed from Russia's borders. The response is expected later this week. BBC correspondent Corrine Davis in Moscow. The U.S. supply of computer chips have fallen to alarmingly low levels. The Commerce Department says companies that use semiconductors down to uh, less than five days of inventory. This is SRN News. Your pets have the same energy they used to. Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dynovite. 
D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dynavite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dynavite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dynavite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Charlie Kirk sees an interesting strategy from the Democrats. These Democrats are talking more like Japanese kamikaze pilots than politicians. They seem far more focused on trying to run the country into the ground, and it does kind of feel as if they all know, whether they say it out loud or they say it in private or they don't say it at all, that this is the last dance. The Charlie Kirk Show, weeknights at 9 on AM 1250. The answer. Hi, this is Joe Belanti with J&D Waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-BERRY-DRY. That's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings on basement waterproofing, bowing or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects. Or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com. J&D Waterproofing, family owned and operated since 1939. Let's ring in the new year by checking off an important to-do. Your old videotapes and photos are fading as each year passes. VCRs are becoming extinct, and the clock is ticking to save your family's most cherished memories. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako. We started Legacy Box to help you preserve your captured moments by converting all your videotapes, photos, and even film reels into perfectly preserved digital files. Legacy Box is the easiest resolution to do and can be done in minutes. Just fill your Legacy Box, send it in, and we'll send it back with your memories perfectly preserved. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of home movies and photos. All the work is done right here in the USA, and over a million customers have trusted Legacy Box. Let's kick off the new year right by rescuing your memories that haven't been watched or enjoyed in years. Order your Legacy Box today. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 40% off your Legacy Box. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 40% off. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We've got a few tie-ups out there. Parkway West on the inbound side, pretty heavy between Green Tree and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. On the Parkway East, your inbound trip going to take you almost an extra 10 minutes, 2nd Avenue down to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound stacks up from Bates Street up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Outbound 28 slowing from Route 8 to Adelafield Avenue. And inbound Parkway North, it's backed up Reedsdale Street down to the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. One to two inches of snow Thursday evening through Friday afternoon. For tonight, mostly cloudy skies and cold with a few flurries. Low, eight. Tomorrow, cold with a mix of clouds and sunshine. High, 16. Tomorrow night, clear skies and cold with a low of two. And Thursday won't be as cold with increasing cloud coverage and a high of 31. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Grace Miratori. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, maybe you've heard that the, uh, the number of murders has gone up. You may have also heard that gun sales are up. Liberals would like you to believe that there's a cause and effect there. The new mayor of New York City has been screaming for the federal government to help him get the illegal guns off the street. Dr. John Lott is the founder and president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. He's also the author of many books on the subject of guns, including More Guns, Less Crime. And he joins us now. John, thanks for coming on the show again. Appreciate it. Well, it's uh, great to talk to you again. Thanks. So before we get to the, uh, the gun sales and the number of murders... Uh, what, what do you make of the new mayor of New York City begging the federal government for help uh, the last couple of days for getting guns off the street? Well, I mean, obviously, look, 
most people don't seem to realize that 92% of violent crime has nothing to do with guns. Uh, we've seen huge increases in uh, assaults, aggravated assaults in New York City. Uh, they have nothing to do with guns. And, uh, you know, if you want to go and reduce crime, generally, it's the same way you reduce any type of crime, and that is you make it riskier for criminals to go and commit crime. You don't have people like the Manhattan uh, District Attorney who's refusing to prosecute people for misdemeanors and deciding to prosecute felonies as misdemeanors when he's willing to prosecute even felonies. Uh, You know, they cut a billion dollars from the New York City Police Department budget uh, under the previous mayor. Uh, It sounds like at least the current mayor wants to replace at least a portion of that, which is moving in the right direction. And one of the reasons why he won uh, the mayor's race, uh, unlike others who he was running against who wanted to defund it even further. And, uh, you know, you have in the New York City area, you've had about half of the inmates uh, being released from jails uh, during COVID. Um, You know, it's not really rocket science to understand why they've had uh, the explosion in violent crime. And it's not uncommon for politicians to want to go and blame something else uh, for their problems. You know, uh, to me, it seems pretty straightforward. Uh, politicians in New York have are reaping what they sowed there, and um, you know, uh, you know, they, if only the federal government did their job, supposedly uh, things would be better there. But you know, this wasn't a problem two and a half years ago. Uh, this wasn't a problem three years ago or four years ago. This has happened during 2020 and 2021 and continuing to happen now. And it's because of uh, the policies that they've changed over the last couple of years. I like, I'd like to uh, talk about that 92% number because I'm looking here at uh, a release from the state of New York. It says Governor Hochul announces new interstate task force on illegal guns including partnership with Mayor Adams, NYPD, and they're, they have a big uh, something uh, scheduled for tomorrow, and then they're going to release stuff to the media. And it goes on and on about guns, which is fine, but if what you're saying, 92% of the violent crimes are, are not committed with guns, then th- is this actually a misdirection? Is, this a, is, this, is, is focusing on this actually... De- uh, distracting from the real problem and making it less likely that the problem of of violent crime will be will reduced yeah look i mean biden last year gave three major addresses on uh on on violent crime uh, i can't remember exactly but it was something like during those three addresses he mentioned guns or gun violence you know something like 160 times uh, he mentioned policing four times, and one of those were using police to enforce gun control laws. Uh, he didn't mention anything about prosecutions. He didn't mention anything about uh, prison. Uh, you know, and, and my concern is that not only are they missing the obvious things, because people care about murders in general. They care about aggravated assaults in general. They care about rapes in general that are occurring. Uh, not necessarily whether uh, the you know the crime involved a gun or not, but whether or not somebody was harmed in some way. Uh, and uh, you know, my concern is that not only aren't they doing what's necessary to reduce violent crime generally, to reduce the hundred percent, not just the eight percent, but uh, a lot of their policies with regard to gun control make it so that the very victims aren't able to go and defend themselves. Uh, you know, here we have this weird situation where you have a lot of Democratic politicians want to make it so that law enforcement can't do its job. Um, and at the same time, they don't want to let uh, law-abiding citizens be able to go and defend themselves. They want to make it very costly uh, for law-abiding people, particularly the poor, particularly the people that my research finds benefit the most from having the option to defend themselves, which is overwhelmingly poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas. They're the, ones, they're the ones who are overwhelmingly the victims. And if the police 
are unable or uh, not allowed to go and uh, protect them, if you're not going to lock up the people that the police uh, do arrest, uh, then at least give those individuals a chance to protect themselves. But, you know, in Washington, D.C., uh, where they're voting on these background checks for just an example, you know, it costs $125 to do a background check on a private transfer of a gun. That may not stop you or I from being able to get a gun, but the very people who need it might make a difference. And just to give you an idea of how these rules are set up. Let's say, John, you and I lived in Washington, D.C., or New York for that matter, and uh, I wanted to go and transfer four guns to you. You think it's John Lott giving, you know, John uh, four guns, uh, it should just be one background check because you're the only one who's getting all the guns. But no, they require a separate background check done on each gun, and that would be like $500 for me to transfer four guns to you. You know, you look at these types of rules. I mean, that's just one tiny example. But you look at those types of rules, and it's pretty obvious they're just the point of these rules is just to make it as costly as possible for, for law-abiding people, the ones who are going to be obeying these laws, to be able to go and get a gun to protect themselves and their families. Uh, you know, in New York City, if you want a concealed handgun permit, uh, you're talking about a, like $800 to apply. And you may not, and it's been very unlikely that you'd even get approved. So, you know, uh, who do they think they're stopping? from having the option to be able to go and legally protect themselves and their families. Yeah, and criminals uh, are aware that they're, they're getting their guns illegally. They don't go through any background check or any, any kind of red tape. They just go get the guns wherever they get them. Uh, and they know that the people on the streets in, the, in their neighborhood, they don't have any guns. Right. I mean, they're not paying the $125 for the background check. They're not paying the $840 fee in order to apply for the process to be able to go and carry a gun. Uh, you know, so you're right. If they're in a relatively low-income area of New York City, uh, what's the chances that some uh, person that they're going to attack is going to be able to go and defend themselves and their families? So murders are up, and so are gun sales, and liberals and gun control advocates everywhere like to think there's a correlation there somewhere, is there? I mean, it's just a joke. You, you, people don't even look at the data very carefully. Uh, we have data on the number of firearm crimes reported to police. Okay, well, if, if guns are driving the increase in violent crime, then the share of violent crimes caused in, involving guns should increase, right? But if you look at, we have the numbers, in 2019, there was about 291,000 gun crimes reported to police. In 2020, it was 212,000. That's, that's a 30% drop. That's, that's, that's a 70,000 drop there in the number of gun crimes. Uh, that were reported to police. Uh, we also have something called the National Crime Victimization Survey, which tries to get at crimes that aren't reported to police. Um, and those also fell by like 30% between 2019 and 2020. Uh, so, you know, you look at that, they, they fell from like 482,000 to 350,000. So, you know... <laughs> Any way you want to go and measure it, there was a massive drop in crimes committed with guns in 2020. And yet, obviously, violent crime went up. Aggravated assaults went up. Uh, they, those drove most of the increase in violent crime. Uh, murders went up. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just not a serious discussion. I mean, you and I know the reason why gun sales went up wasn't... Uh, wasn't a cause of violent crime. It was because violent crime was increasing, because people were concerned that police and law enforcement and the prisons and the prosecutors either weren't allowed to or weren't doing their jobs. Uh, that's what drove the increase there, not the reverse. And, and how many people walking the streets do you think are aware of what you just said, what you just explained there? Well, I mean, I, the media is doing a horrible job of covering this. I mean, Look, I mean, I've, I was just working in the Department of Justice up until the beginning of last year. Uh, I've been chief economist for the U.S. Sentencing Commission in the past, and I've been an 
academic at a lot of places, uh, including Wharton uh, in Pennsylvania there. I know what the numbers are. I know that 92% of violent crime doesn't involve guns. But, you know, you listen to Biden, you listen to the Democrats talk about it, you listen to the media, uh, and as you indicated, it seems like everybody must believe that virtually all violent crimes involve guns. And it's simply not even remotely close to being true. Um, you know, there's so many things that I wish the media, when Biden goes and uh, gives these discussions, would ask questions. Because, you know, I'll give you a simple thing. Since we mentioned background checks earlier, Biden will go out and say, you know, there are 3.8 million dangerous people that have been stopped from buying guns because of background checks uh, since they started the background checks federal background checks. That's simply false. What he should say is there have been 3.8 million initial denials, and about 99% of those are mistakes. It's one thing to stop a felon from buying a gun. It's another thing to stop somebody simply because they have a name that's phonetically similar to somebody who, who's a felon. You know, and the reason why they almost never prosecute anybody is because they're not real cases that when they actually go back and look at the paperwork carefully, they find that they made a mistake. And the thing is, uh, you know, you can go and hire a lawyer uh, to go and help you. The vast majority of people who get denied of these 3.8 million are going to find it necessary to hire a lawyer because it's a relatively complicated process. You're talking about fees that start around $3,000 to $10,000 or so to go through the process there. Who do they think they're stopping? from being able to go and buy guns. And there's no reason these mistakes should be occurring. Um, if, when private companies do background checks on employees, if they had an error rate that was 100th the error rate that the federal government has, they'd be sued out of existence. But the federal government, when they do background checks, you fill out the 4473, you put down your name, your social security number, your address, your birthday, your race, your eye color, you think they're using all that information. What they use is roughly phonetically similar names and similar birthdays. And, of course, that produces a huge amount of errors. And, you know, the thing is, uh, these Democrats and gun control people claim that they care about minorities. The error rate for black males in the background check system is three times their share of the population. The error rate for Hispanic males is like two and a half times their share of the population. And there's no reason these mistakes should be occurring. All you have to do is have the federal government meet the same standards for doing background checks that private companies. If it's good enough for private companies to have to meet those standards, why isn't it good enough for the federal government? And yet, you know, Biden, the Democrats will fight you tooth and nail against what I would consider an extremely reasonable fix. And I've been arguing about this for 20 years. And they will fight you against it. When they did the Fix Nix bill a few years ago, um, Ted Cruz uh, was trying to offer an amendment that would require that the federal government have to abide by the same rules for doing background checks that private companies have to do. The Democrats said that that was a poison pill and it was going to kill the entire legislation there and that they were going to attack Republicans for trying to kill the bill. And so the Republicans withdrew the amendment that was there. But, you know, gun control people talk constantly about reasonable gun control. Well, I just want a reasonable fix to their gun control rule that's there. And yet, and yet they will fight against a reasonable fix, and I have yet to have anybody over 20 years provide a reasonable explanation for why the federal government can go and look at roughly phonetically similar names and similar birthdays and doing background checks on people. I mean, who, who doesn't believe that that's going to come out with all sorts of errors? We're talking to Don Lott, uh, Dr. John Lott, the founder and president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. Got a couple of minutes left here. The thing that I always wonder about, John, and, uh, is um, I see stories locally where you, you hear about a, a horrific crime committed, somebody's murdered, and it's, and it's with a gun. And there's almost never any mention of, well, we got to find out where that person got that gun. Who sold, where'd this kid, this 18-year-old kid who just shot a kid in front of a school the other day, where did he get the gun? 
uh, you never hear the, the media never follow up on it and tell you, well, they, they caught the guy who sold this kid the gun and he's going to prison for 27 years. You never hear that. You never hear about them catching the people who are, are making these guns available to criminals. Right. Well, there, there are two general comments that I would make. One is one of the big biases in terms of the media, I just would mention, is the lack of coverage of defensive gun uses. Um, and uh, people can find a lot at our website at crimeresearch.org uh, about that because, you know, through the first nine months of this year, we went through uh, all the news stories across the country. And you'll find, look at the top five newspapers, the New York Times, the LA Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, the Wall Street Journal. Between those five newspapers, they had like 2,600 stories about gun crimes. They had a total of 10 stories on defensive gun uses, and almost always they were ones that something went wrong in terms of the defensive gun use. And, you know, CNN, MSNBC, uh, ABC, CBS, NBC had a total of zero defensive gun use stories that they had over that period of time. So somebody could think that they're well knowledgeable about this stuff and yet never hear about a defensive gun use story. And it has a real impact on people's perceptions about uh, uh, the costs and benefits of having guns. And yet, you know, you look at the types of stories they cover. About half of them involve cases where the defensive gun use inv- resulted in a murder. Uh, about 45% of them involve cases where the attacker's been wounded. And only 4% of them involve brandishing of guns. In reality, uh, we know that woundings are about seven to eight times more frequently than murders. And we know about 95% of the defensive gun uses involve brandishing. You know, the opposite percentages of what you see in the news coverage. And there's a simple reason for that, and that is if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. If you have a murder or a killing, you're much more likely to get a news story on it than if it's a wounding, even if woundings are much more frequent. And simply brandishing, where a woman brandishes a gun and a criminal runs away, no shots are fired, no crime committed, you're not even sure what crime would have been committed, that's not an interesting story for the media. And yet, if we care about policy, we care about both of those things. The second comment that I would make that's more directly related to your point... Hey, John, quickly, because I'm, I'm up against a hard break. Yeah, so sorry. Um, is uh, um, I can't remember what I was going to say, but the... Uh, I apologize, but the... Uh, it'll probably come back to me in a minute. But, um, uh, oh, it's, it's focus. You know, you look at drugs... You know, how difficult has it been to stop drug dealers from getting illegal drugs to sell? And, you know, I would argue it's about as difficult to stop them from getting drugs as it is for them getting guns. major source of illegal guns are drug dealers. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could click my fingers and cause all illegal guns to disappear, or all guns to disappear, and all illegal drugs, how long do you think it would be before illegal drugs started coming back in the United States? How long do you think it would be before drug gangs would bring in the weapons to protect them? It's not like a drug gang can go to the police and say, this other gang stole my drugs. Can you help us get them back? Yeah. And you're, you're going to be as, as able to stop criminals from getting guns as you are stopping them from getting illegal drugs. Hey, Dr. John Lott, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you coming on. They can find your stuff at crimeresearch.org. Right. Thank you. Very good. Okay, thank thank you. you. We'll be right back. Cancer. So many lives are touched by cancer. In fact, one in two men and one in three women will be diagnosed with cancer. At the American Cancer Society, we're on a mission to free the world from cancer. It's a big mission, driven by little things like a ride to treatment, a free place to stay, a 24-7 helpline. But these little things are really the big things because to a cancer patient and their family, they're everything. And every day we reach thousands of cancer patients who so desperately need these services. But we need your help to get these critical services to more people and families in need this holiday season. Go to cancer.org and join the fight against cancer. It takes just minutes 
minutes to donate and help provide essential support to cancer patients and their families. Don't wait. More than one in three people will be diagnosed with cancer. Go to cancer.org right now and make a difference. Go to cancer.org. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and a Inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrustpittsburgh.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, today will be a happy day if Barry Bonds doesn't get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think it's tonight that they announce the, uh, the results. Um, he's out. If He's done. If he doesn't get it today, uh, he's, he doesn't get voted in by the baseball writers. It goes to some committee some, somewhere. Uh, his 10 years are up, and so... He's out until a special committee would put him in, and they those committees are made up mostly, I'm pretty sure, of former players who probably resent the fact that he hit a lot of home runs because of steroids. But I wanted to make sure I got a quick chance to – I want you to check it out. I, I, I have it up there at Twitter, at Steigerworld. I've been putting it up there all day. Uh, there's a guy named Michael Witte who um, is a mechanics expert, uh, and for hitting and pitching, and he's a consultant for multiple teams, and he has done uh, re- did research way back when Barry Bonds uh, broke the record, uh, way back in uh, 2007. He did a story on the elbow pad that he wore, and it's a mechanical device that he says allowed him to hit at least 75 to 100 more home runs that had nothing to do with steroids. So uh, I hope he doesn't get in. If he doesn't, it'll be a good day because he deserves to not get what he deserves. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.